Welcome back to the Eucatropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, we discover the concept that there are two axes on the fretboard, two ways that you can move. You can move across strings from one string to the next, to the next, to the next, or you can move up a single string without ever crossing onto another string. These are two different directions that we can move on the fretboard. And it turns out that each has something to offer the learner. One is the direction of memorization and muscle memory, and the other is the direction or the axis of understanding and analysis. And that's what we delve into in this episode of the podcast. Don't forget, the episodes in this season of the podcast are being recorded live on the first Thursday of every month. It's free to attend, and you can find more information at eucatropolis.com slash podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Okay, this one came in from Wealth. He's working on the ukulele way. A lesson one of book three. So he's getting toward the middle of the ukulele way. Again, if you're not sure what the ukulele way is, it is a method where you learn how to juggle all the parts of the music simultaneously on one ukulele. Some people call that chord melody. Some people call it fingerstyle solos or whatever, however you think of it. It's that style where you could just jump up on stage at an open mic and be the entire band on your own. Uh, so Welf is on that journey, and he's paused here at a lesson on the F major scale, and he's asking, I learned the F major scale in a different way than what you're teaching here. He says, I started with F, and I went up one octave. Um, following the music theory um, of how the scale is constructed, he says, that's not how you're teaching it here. Uh, and I'm sure you've got something in mind. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, thank you for the vote of confidence that um, I, I do have something in mind and that there is kind of a method to the F scale madness. What Welf is referring to is that when I teach the F scale in the ukulele way, and most of the time that I teach the F scale, I teach it so that you... Um, stay in position. You don't shift out of the first uh, three frets. And you just discover all of the notes that are part of the F scale in those first three frets. You'll get more of these notes if you have the low fourth string, but, you know... as opposed to going from F to F and just making it sound like a complete scale the way you might expect. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one is that that fingering that leads you up the neck, shift, that leads you to a fingering that only really works once. It only works for that particular F scale in that particular position. So I'm always trying to teach things that are transferable, where you can take a concept and apply it in many different keys and styles. And that, that one 
fingering for F, uh, the, the scale of F, doesn't really do that. It's just a one-time use. And so I'd rather, first of all, I'd rather teach things that are more transferable. By the way, I'm not saying don't learn the F scale this way. I'm just saying also try it the way I'm, <laughs> the way I'm promoting here, um, which is where you stay in the first three frets. But it's more like you're finding a pool of notes rather than a string of notes. When you play all the notes that are possible in the F scale in that home position, um, you, you don't hear the scale in the usual way, but you see the pool of notes that's created by the F scale in that position. And that eventually leads to understanding that that is a movable scale pattern. And I could apply that movable scale pattern to any number of keys. Unlike the single-use F scale that, um, that you might have expected I was going to teach. Okay? Now, that's, that's fine and good. Um, and... I, it's, I'm not trying to set up an either-or thing. It's not like um, it's not like you're a bad student <laughs> if you if you learn it the the one octave way. Not at all. I mean, learn them both. It's all good. Um, but what I will say that came out of this conversation with Welf about this, I was thinking more about it. I think I was just like doing dishes after having this conversation, and I was just thinking about it and. I was kind of thinking a little bit about uh, Peter Luongo, my uh, longtime ukulele teacher, you know, when I was a teenager. He often describes uh, the ukulele fretboard in terms of north, south, east, and west. So, like, north would be <laughs> pointing up to the ceiling, um, south down toward the floor, east and west going up and down the fretboard. And I've always loved that way of describing the fretboard, and and he often says, you know, you, you really have to learn the fretboard in all directions, north, south, east, and west. I'm like, yeah, that, that really sounds good to me. That That's a nice analogy. It feels approachable. It feels like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to explore all four points of the compass? As opposed to saying to somebody, you know, you really should just go into the higher frets, uh, you know, and somebody's like, well, why? Why should I do that? But when I put it in terms of points of the compass, it feels like yeah, I I want to I want to discover what's at, at, at in you know all parts of the map. So I, I really like that analogy, and um, I guess I was thinking about that in the context of teaching, and it occurred to me that the north south sort of axis of the fretboard, where you're going across the strings. Staying in position and going across the strings. That is kind of the axis of memorization. And I don't mean this in a good or a bad way. I'm just saying that when you're moving across the strings, you're relying on your muscle memory. You're not thinking to yourself, I'm going tone, tone, semitone, tone, 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 semitone. You're not thinking it through. You're just going by feel your muscle memory, and 
what you've done a thousand times. That's traveling in that north-south axis across the fretboard. But when you start traveling east and west, in other words, when you are moving up a single string without crossing onto another string, this moves us into the realm of understanding. This is the axis of understanding the fretboard. It may not be always the most practical way to move around, but it takes what is sometimes hidden, the understanding of music that is sometimes hidden when we're crossing the strings, and it stretches it out. It kind of opens it up like it unfolds the mystery of scale architecture and chord construction. And I think this is really important to think of these two axes on the instrument as being different, as offering different things. If you're a teacher, I think this is really, really critical that you um, make the most of this. And as a student as well, you know, you can uh, sometimes get yourself out of a jam um, by uh, looking at the same scale um, on an uh, on, a, on an east-west axis instead of a north-south. So let's take the example that we have here, um, which is the F scale. If I stay in that home position, I'm telling my fingers, memorize those fingerings so that when I come to you, you don't ask me why, you just do it. <laughs> you know, when I have a melody like... I don't want to be thinking to myself, tone, tone, semitone, tone, 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 semitone. I don't want to understand at that point. I just want to be able to do it. You know, and this is a time for action. <laughs> North, south axis, uh, crossing strings. This is all about action, just doing it. But if I wanted to unfold this and get a better understanding of what's going on, well, I might actually go on one string. I'm now moving up the E string. And I can see now the spacings between the notes. I can see that some spaces are big spaces. Some spaces are little spaces. And now the structure of the scale is revealed by placing it on that axis. I might even practice, just for fun, my melody. On a single string, so that I can really see how it's built. This even works for chords. Um, how many times has a student been confused by what I think is one of the classic confusions on the ukulele, which is why the C chord looks the way it does but the C minor chord looks the way it does? Have you ever had people just stumble onto this and be like, why? Like, <laughs> this does not make any sense at all. We know what a C chord looks like. Zero, 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 three. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a dollar. That's the C chord, fine. But I thought you said that all I have to do is change one note 
and then I get C minor. You said that, right? You said that you just take the third of the chord, you lower it by one half step, and then you get C minor. So why does C minor look like this? Zero, three, three, three. Why are there now what looks like two additional notes? This is very confusing. The C, C minor problem for teachers is one of those like, one of those that in the category of, I just hope students don't ask that question. Because <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to answer that. If you've done any teaching with the ukulele, you know that the problem here is that the open strings, and come on, don't we all love open strings? I love open strings. They're so great. They're easy to play. They always sound resonant and beautiful. But they do get in the way when you're trying to understand how music works. It's a double-edged sword there as well. So the problem is that I need to, I need to flatten the E. I need to make it into E flat. The problem is the E is an open string, so I can't flatten it in place. I have to find it on the adjacent string, which moves on the third fret, and blah, 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 blah. That's going to be a very hard conversation to have with a student who's asking an innocent question. Why does C minor look so totally different from C when there's only one note that changes? In this case, when this happens to you, whether you're a player or a teacher, I hope you'll think back to this very moment right here, this very moment, and think, oh yeah, that thing the guy was saying was that if you unfold this chord in the east-west direction, you might get a peek inside and it might show you something that was hidden. Oh, okay, let's try. So let's put a chord on a single string. Is this something you do every day? Probably not. But hey, that's why you're here, <laughs> to try new things. So let's try putting a chord on a single string. We've got C, that's the open third string. Now if we're playing C major, it would be C and then E. That's the fourth fret. Remember, I'm, uh, there's only one string in my universe right now. It's the C string. That's it. That's all I'm using. C, then the fourth fret on the C string. And then the next note would be G, the 7th fret. And finally, C on the 12th fret. That is the chord, C, mapped onto one string. 0, 4, 7, 12. 0, 4, 7, 12. By just playing the chord one note at a time, I can see the distances now between each part of that chord. And here's the moment of truth. Now that I have this chord mapped onto a single string, what do I need to do to turn it in to a C minor chord? Will I finally see that, yes, indeed, there is only one note that changes? All I have to do to make it C minor, instead of playing the fourth fret here, play the third fret, E flat. Everything else stays the same. 
minor. And now for the first time, because I moved into a different axis, I was able to unfold that difficulty of understanding C versus C minor. Take away all the string crossings, take away the confusion that comes from mapping this in the north-south direction. And by simply mapping that chord onto a single string, I could show my student that yes, indeed, under the hood, only one note changes. That's the axis of understanding. I'm probably not going to play Flight of the Bumblebee, you know, on one string, hunting and pecking and chasing the melody up and down like that. No, that's not a practical thing to do, but it is the axis of understanding. The other way, crossing the strings, is the axis of doing, the axis of practicality, the axis of memorizing and just doing it, never mind why it works, I just want to play. But when I need to, I know that I can flip it and get into that place of understanding why things are the way they are. Yes, indeed. Well, that was fun. <laughs> I kind of got into a real flight of fancy there, but um, I hope that helps, uh, especially you teachers out there. I hope this strategy, because that's what it is, it's just one more strategy to have in your bag of tricks. And now hopefully you're, you're not falling asleep at night going, boy, I hope they don't ask me about C and C minor tomorrow. <laughs> you know, now you can be like, I really hope somebody asked me about C and C minor because <laughs> I've got a way to talk about it that actually makes sense. Not just to talk about it, but to make it real, you know, put it in their hands and show them how things work by unfolding the concept in that way. Thanks for tuning in to the Euketropolis podcast. My name is James Hill, and I'll be back again next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can find me over at euketropolis.com. Lots of free sample lessons and interesting courses to explore, including the brand new Americana ukulele. If you've ever wanted to play bluegrass or blues or country or claw hammer, this is definitely the course for you. So check it out at euketropolis.com slash Americana. You'll get two free lessons just for stopping by. Okay, that's it for this week. Take care, and until next time, keep on strumming.